Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> yes, you know, as you know, Geraldine's going to have a child, and and um, Nancy and I, for a little while, join them, and we use, let them use our church for a baby shower. And I learned something: Latinos know how to party. That I mean, the noise was going throughout the whole neighborhood, it, and and almost got me a. Uh, on some jumping around, but it was uh, a beautiful thing. But you know, it's uh, it was wonderful to just meet some people, and and I got to meet uh, a guy named James. That just uh, you know, he, he reminded me of what God is doing, and we're going to see more. Thank God for the prophetic, but we're going to see miraculous healing. And he he thirty years ago. The doctors had to take part of his brain out because it was full of cancer. And they said, that's the best we can do. You may have two years to live. And he's here 30 years later praising God and declaring the promises of God and who God is. And he promised me someday he'll come here and join us. Um, he belongs to another church in the area. and, and uh, But it was really blessed. But the, talking about the prophetic word, uh, I, I had some, several prophetic words for him, and then he pulls up his arm, and I initially said, "What are you doing, dude? Why are you pulling?" He, he pointed to his arms, goosebumps all over his arm. He said, "You have no idea what you're saying, how it's energizing my spirit, even that it was manifested on his arm." So. Uh, yeah, God's word, you know, and I was, uh, as, uh, as we were worshiping and everything, and the fans were blowing, and, and the first page fell to the ground, Holy Spirit right away said to me, you know my word says, my word does not return void. It, it's an it's a honor to, to be able to share God's word, and you know what? There's a lot of lectures, a lot of things that go on, a lot of things that come out of the mouths of men, professors, politicians, motivators, and all that thing. And you know what? A lot of those words, and they may be good, but nothing like God's word, because God's word never returns void. Do you believe that? I believe that in my whole heart. So, uh, Father, in Jesus' name, bless what we hear. And Father God, that may go beyond our ears into our hearts this morning as we view the truth, because the truth sets you free. Last week, we looked at Hebrews chapter 7, and, 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 and it was amazing to know how Abraham met, met Melchizedek, and he offered him an offering. And it's a wonderful thing, because in the New Covenant, you know, see, everything's new now. And it's not demand, it's freely given. So, so uh, we learn from that chapter that, that uh, there was a demand. Abraham was compelled to give 10%. We are in a covenant where we freely give. 
You know, and I, I remember some years when, when God really blessed our family that uh, we, we gave generously because God has blessed us generously. And in this church, we have a ministry to trafficked women. And now we're launching out to a ministry to a Jewish Messianic fellowship that's going to start next Saturday. And as, we, as leaders, as we discussed that, we said, you know, God freely gave us this building. Gave it to us. And it wouldn't even come in our mind to charge ministries to use this building. So they're going to be, our building's going to be used several days during the week to set captive women free. It's going to be used Saturday to let Gentile, Gentile and Jewish believers uh, have their ministry here. And then Sunday we use it, but the building is being used. And I want you all to thank God because in this conversation with the rabbi or the pastor of this fellowship, they said, we said, what time do you leave the building? Well, he said maybe 5.30. And she said, oh, no, no, maybe more like 3, 3.30. And, and then we went back and forth. And then she mentioned, she said, yeah, you know, sometimes my, my husband will preach for two and a half hours. Yes and amen, you guys don't have to listen to me for two and a half hours. So it's all good. But you know what? Uh, we're going to start. Uh, Cal, you don't have this verse. You don't have this verse. But uh, we're going to, and it's not that necessary, but we're going to start where we left off last week. And Abraham uh, is hearing the voice of God. And what was the exhortation that God wanted Abraham to know, which was the beginning of the Jewish race, that is also for us to know. Don't be afraid. First, don't be afraid. The next one, declaring who he is, I'm your shield. You're not your shield. You're not your protector. He's your shield. Do not be afraid. God is taking a personal word here. Not only in the Old Testament was his name I am, but he said, I am your shield. Do we believe that? And then, I'm your great reward. And we referred to another word he says, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek after him. And you know what? And that reward is not specifically for when you get to heaven. Remember, he's rewarding us for faithful service every day of our lives here on earth. He's the one that's able to take care of us. So, don't be afraid. He's your shield and protector, and he knows how to reward. He knows how to take care of you. He, he, he's a loving Savior. That He's that good shepherd that would leave the 99 and go after the one. 
In other words, the one, you are very important. Uh, it says in another portion of Scripture, it says uh, that in First in Peter, it says, you are his great, uh, great possession. Uh, you know, if, if we're so valued by God, why should we fear? We should know that he's our shield and he's the rewarder or the one that cares for us. That's why I could say in his word, cast all your cares upon me and I like to make it really big because he, our God, cares about you. Cares about you. So now, in that's the way we closed last Sunday. Now we're opening up Hebrews chapter 8. And it goes on in the first few verses. It says, now the main point is what I'm saying is this. In other words, everything he said so far, hey, let's clarify it. Here's the main point. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who ser serves in the sanctuary, the true tab tabernacle of God, not by a mere human being. You know, it was all this stuff in the Old Testament is all symbolic. And, you know, sometimes if you took an aerial view as while well, they were... Uh, migrating from Egypt to the Promised Land, and they made the uh, the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, and and where they were doing the sacrifices, and and in in the and what God was saying, be very careful. We'll, we'll learn about this a little later. Be very careful how they told Israel about how you do things and how you arrange things. And I wish we could have a picture of that because when He told the tribes where to line up center point, the tabernacle, the tent. If you'd have a fly over and look down, the way the tribes were specifically asked to line up on the right and the left and the top and the bottom, it was a cross. Very symbolic of what God's plan was. Then he goes on in verse chapter 3, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. We know what he had to offer. You know, in, and, and we have this high priest sitting at the right hand of God. And, and his call in life, you know, he, he would, Jesus during his earthly ministry would refer to that. You know, be happy for the miracles. Be happy for the teaching. Be happy that I'm with you. But my call is to be a sacrifice. And, and, and then it goes on in, in chapter 4. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. And there are already priests who offer gifts prescribed by the law. They serve... I'll get this up a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make 
everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Uh, you know, he's up there on the mountain. You know, and I, we just referred to that. If he, if he did according to what God instructed him, very specifically, looking down at it would be the cross. But the fact, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as a covenant which he is mediator, is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established by better promises. Now, being in the Jewish mind, uh, uh, the readers, the Hebrews, or Jewish people are reading this, would understand what he's saying, uh, that this was a better covenant. Because what was going through their mind, when we bring our sin offerings, when we bring our, our, our beasts and cattle and sheep and doves and whatever they could afford, and there was sacrifice for sin, it was only temporary. It was only temporary. But when Jesus, they didn't understand it. A better covenant, a better covenant, when Jesus came and shed his blood, it was permanent and forever established. Verse 7. For, for if there has been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another, but God found fault with the people and said, now here's what God said, here's what God said, the day is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the, with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, but when I took them by the, by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not maintain faithful to my covenant, I, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I have established with my people Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, I will write them on their hearts, I will be their God, and they will be my people. You know, it was, it was actually prophetically going through the motions of something that was temporary to become something new and forever established. Jesus, our high priest. Jesus, uh, the, the Lord of all, the, the God that, that sent his son to die in our behalf that no longer, no longer are we burdened to do all these, these maintenance things to establish. But God says, oh, there's a coming a time, there's coming a time when I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be the, my people. Not only for Israel, but for you and I. You and I have now everything that was established and practice and rules and regulations. When we defined for ourselves that we were sinners and we knew 
we had failed, like Israel, failed, and came and received Jesus, all the requirement of law was planted into our hearts. You became his precious possession. Verse 11, no longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. It's, uh, it's an amazing call that you and I have in our lives. Interesting. Interesting what it's saying here. No longer will they teach your neighbor and say to them, Know the Lord. Know the Lord. When Jesus came, and this all got documented and written for you and I, John wrote an amazing truth. These words were written that you might know. There's no question for the believer to doubt and not know. I had a word this morning. I just want to interject that now. It's uh, in light of what we, we've learned already from the book of Hebrews. That God wants to set you and I free from uh, sort of underestimating ourselves. Sort of Asking why me? Sort of the things coming up and saying, uh, saying, um, uh, complaining, and 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 saying, God, where were you? God, when will you answer my prayers? When are you going to come through for me? God's working in our lives to change those attitudes by thank you God that everything I ever needed or required for life is mine in Jesus. In verse 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. You know, this, this is this is key to you know like we talked Paul wrote this letter to the Hebrew or Jewish believers they're trying to mix ceremonial stuff with the grace of God and you know what this is true for all of us as believers today and just some of what I said I will forgive them their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more you know what? It's a, it's it. Y'all, we we got born again, right? Do we sin? Yes, we do sin. But when sin has its per perfect way in it, and 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 it, and, it, and where where our our faults 
sometimes will lead us, but not necessarily lead us, is to alienate ourselves from God. Oh God, how can you love me anymore? Oh God, you know, uh, I, I failed the umpteen times. Why did, I, why did I burst out in anger? Why did I doubt you? Why did I let fear in my life? God, I, I'm, hey, we get to that place, the enemy wants to take us to that place where we would uh, re, uh, uh, reject the depth of his love and forgiveness. And then we become alienated and, and really for the enemy to come down even harder on us. I don't know if you've been there, but he says, he's saying, I will forgive their weakness and I will remember their sins no more. No more. That, when you and I, when, when I wept in a bathroom and gave my life to Jesus and for all my sinful activity for years, I was set free. That freedom, guys, is ongoing. He would not, he would never have said that Jesus, Jesus, in his 30 some years here, met every every imaginable temptation and for our behalf never caved in. But in saying that, he'd also said. So, he knows very well what you and I are going through. He knows very well our weaknesses. He knows very well our strengths. In fact, one of the, one of the most amazing guys in Scripture was Paul when he was knocked off a horse and gave his life to Jesus. And he went on this, uh, he spent several years just getting acquainted with who Jesus is because he, he, had, a, he had this whole... He was ingrained in the liturgical law. He, was, he went to the finest schools. And God had to take him to a place where he, where he said, you know, this is, there's nothing wrong with it, but up to knowing Jesus, it's rubbish. And, and, and then he wrote down, he said, he went through all of this to let you and I know you have a go-to place. Because whatever you're struggling with, he struggled with and perfectly met the requirement. You follow that? You follow that? And so, so uh, when the enemy is so bent on alienating us, saying, you know, woe is me, how can I alienate us, Jesus is beckoning and calling us, come back. And I know what you're going through. I know your, your, your struggles. I know your weakness. In fact, I, I told Paul one time, in your, weak, in your very weakness, you will become acquainted with my strength. So, guys, don't let up the devil have an upper hand. 
He's the go-to person. He's the one to go to when when you are when you possibly are really disappointed in yourself. He's the God that says, "You come to me." When you come to me, you'll never be disappointed. So then why? He said, by calling this new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete is outdated and will soon disappear. Uh, it's... Uh, <clears throat> It's, it's connecting with his love. I, you know, one guy says, you know, you know, we can either go to a couple, two places. Approach our God as, man, my God is putting demand, demand, demand. It's, it's just an area of giving. He's not demanding anything. But in Jesus, it's supply, supply, supply. And Nancy, you think mentioned over there, down here, in our in our basement is that of all the and by the way I'll let you know as soon as that goes on YouTube we got it almost done and the basement tour at our at our home is going to be on YouTube and uh, and um, yours truly will be leading the, a tour of the basement but one of the pictures that Nancy and I when we come to end of our ropes and we say no more solutions we're trying to figure out, we go down the basement. And we just bow down before that one drawing of bread or gold coins falling out of heaven. And we remind ourselves of the God of supply. That, that we may exhaust it all our effort, but God never gets exhausted. He's the God that never fails. He's your ever, ever, ever help in trouble. Then he goes on to say, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Uh, I, I can go, if we're, if we're in a church where lost people are coming into, that, that's a very important thing because you don't neglect such a great salvation. You don't neglect it. He's not hard to find. You know, I, I uh, Twyla sang a song last Sunday, really blessed me before I, I came to church really tired after having our event on Saturday and I, I was exhausted. And she sang that song, um, uh, uh, da, it's never ending, always supplying. His grace and mercy and truth. And, and it's very, I mean, seek the Lord when you be found. Call on him for he's near. You know, it's, it's only you and I that can uh, alienate ourselves. We need to be reminded every day through life's challenges and what we face that he's not far away. He's always near he's always near let the wicked and this, now he jumped over to Isaiah and he said easy, he's, easy, he's always near let the wicked forsake their ways 
Let the unrighteous, their thoughts, let them turn to the Lord. He will have mercy on them and to, the, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Now, we look back at the other verse. He says, uh, he says, I will remember your sins no more. This, Isaiah, is highlighting something all of us need to know. It's when we hear, when we hear about how God is near to us, God is full of mercy, God is freely pardoning us. It says, and, and unrighteous their thoughts. Hear me out here, because it goes on in verse 8 in declaring something that I'm trying to communicate this morning. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. There's, the enemy wants to alienate us. And, and, and when, when he's saying here in these verses where God is revealing to Isaiah that I, I have mercy, I'm going to spy as Messiah. I am, I, I, in, in, in his sacrifice, I freely pardon all your transgressions. And then he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Why did he say that? Why do you say that in context to this? Because our thoughts can go astray and say, can it really be true that God loves me? And he's saying, he's, he's enforcing and saying, when I say I have mercy on you, when I say I will pardon you, that's unmerited favor. A pardon is knowing you're guilty and set free. Knowing that, he says, my thoughts of how merciful I am, how full of pardon I am, are not always the way you think. My ways, sending Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, my way of accomplishing that is not your way, but my way. My love and forgiveness goes deeper than you can ever imagine. And why verse 8? Because our thoughts can go astray. Our way, oh man, ways. His way, Jesus' perfect sacrifice. Our way, try to earn our salvation. Try to earn his favor. That's why it's called unmerited favor. Not earned, but a gift. And all of us, I know you're all believers in this here, and you receive that gift. Don't ever let the enemy try to rob you of your identity. Your identity is not in the things you do. It's who you know. That's why, that's why, and Johnny would say, you know what? Know this. Know this in your heart. He said, you know, we can, oh man, I love God. Boy, I love God. You know, 
Guys, I'm witnessing on the street. Oh, man, what I'm doing, man. I'm doing things for the kingdom. I'm more. You know what? Bottom line, he did it all. Bottom line, he loved you and me even before we ever loved him. When he says, Lord, Lord says, free is free indeed, put it down, guys. Put it down. You don't have to earn his love and forgiveness. It's a gift. And a gift that you possess, you have in your hearts, and you have in your minds. And uh, affirm this some more in Romans. It says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While you are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, pause, justified on how good we can be. And, and you know what? And, and I love it, Roman, because we, gotta, we have to say this, too, that, that uh, knowing Jesus is not a license to sin. Uh, but God knows our frailty. And and he's and and he's remind us in in chapter five of Romans. He says, since we have been justified or made right by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Amazing, guys. God's not mad at you. You ever gone there? You ever gone there? Oh, God must be mad at me. Oh, God, God, you must be, uh, you must, uh, uh, man, I can't connect with you. And that's all stuff in our own spirit that has to be thrown out. I, <clears throat> I uh, huh, haven't, haven't had a joke for a while, right? But uh, it kind of, now th this has to go back to my generation because back in my generation growing up, uh, there was a front, now we've got bucket seats in the front. I feel sorry for kids that are dating and stuff with bucket seats. But, <laughs> but uh, when, I had a, when I had Okada, there were bench seats. And, uh, and, so, and, uh, and uh, I'm driving the car and a lot of times the young lady would kind of snuggle up kind of close to me. And then I kind of put my arm, and then, then I say, I want my arm around here, but, uh, you know, uh, this is a manual transmission. You mind? I'll show you how to run that shifter lever, and shift now! And then somebody goes, grind! You know, and, and uh, so this uh, couple, they've been married for a number of years, and, and finally, uh, finally uh, through, the, through marriage, and, and you... And you get too, too familiar with each other. And all of a sudden, this, young, this older couple is driving around the road, and, and, and the wife now, he, she's hugging the door. <laughs> and he's driving the car. And, and, and she says to him, he says, you know, honey, you know what? Remember those days when we were dating? 
and I would snuggle up next to you in a car, and you'd put your arm around, and I'd learn how to shift those gears. And, and the, man, you remember those days? He says, yeah, I do. Well, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be the same anymore. He said, well, I didn't move. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know what? God, God hasn't moved his position in your life. If we, if we get these alienated feelings, we have to self-examine ourselves and find out, have we moved and become a door hugger? Because he hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. He loves you and me. And then in the conclusion in, the, in Romans chapter 5, not only is this so, from verse 8, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, through whom we have now been reconciled. Do you ever think about where your boasting ought to come from? It'd be shameful for me to boast about people I've led to Christ. Be shameful to boast how what God is doing in 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 my life and people and the, and boasting about how possibly I've earned His supply. God is saying, out of His great love He has for you and I, that. We also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ because He's reconciled us with the Father. That's not a momentary thing. It's an ongoing thing. You can go to your Heavenly Father anytime, anyplace, anywhere because reconciled, you've been made right with God your Father, with Jesus Christ. Boast of that. Bring that to a higher place. I am loved. I am favored. I am forgiven. And step it up. Like Paul said in one of his letters, he said, I pray that you will live in good health. I believe God is just going to spread out. Um, and I go along with Paul and agree with the word that he says to the church that we live in good health. We live in good health. And in well-being. Well-being. And, I, and I'll tell you, the enemy is really hard trying to hit believers with health issues and and well-being is covers a lot of stuff, emotional help, uh, spiritual help, uh, provision, uh, 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 position, where uh, where he's sending us and whatever he's doing. I pray over our church, our church. This 
beautiful congregation of the gathering place. Father, in Jesus' name, may we live in good health. May we have well-being in our, in our experience. May we never complain, always with thanksgiving, whatever that place is in our life, no matter what we're going through, in all things give thanks. Everything. Everything. That means nothing, nothing eliminated or subtracted. Give all thanks in everything. I told that to one guy, he said, that's hard, I'm really going through a messy time. Give thanks. After all, hard times, like exercise, makes you stronger. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up on the God that loves you and paid it all and has established you and brought you to where you are today and always to a better place tomorrow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you all. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, Thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.